Oi, this is Archie Nigelson, Nigel's cousin. He's a bastard. Listen, <laughs> listen to these boys. They know their shit, all right, about metal. Listen to a metal nerdery podcast. You can follow them on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, at Metal Nerdery Podcast. On Twitter, you can see them at Metal Nerdery. And they got email, right? Send them a fucking email. Metal Nerdery, all one word, like, at gmail.com. It's metalnerdery at gmail.com. Email these boys. They want to hear from you. Anyway, this is Archie Nigerson. Fuck off, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, uh, Archie. Hey, anytime, right? Love you guys. You're blokes, right? <laughs> Fucking blokes who know your shit about metal. Don't talk to Nigel anymore. He's a cunt. Anyway. <laughs> so I don't mean to be abrasive. It's why, Sunday. I mean, what did you and you and uh, Nigel don't get along? I mean, what's... I mean, he's all stuck up, right? It's like he acts like he listens to metal. I'm like, no, you don't. You fucking like Lars Swelk and shit like that. You're not listening well, to metal. Wow. I mean, he liked Barry Manilow back in his death metal days before he died, but, you know, uh, anyway, I don't he's think just Barry's a bastard. dead yet. No, no, I, f- I think he died. I think somebody murdered him. I, I, mate, no? True black metal fashion? Yeah, I think they put the face makeup on him. Yeah, oh shit, Christ, it's Sunday. I gotta go to church. Anyway, <laughs> later, mates. This is Nigel Nigerson, and you're listening to Metal Nerdery. Please follow them on the social media. Uh, they are now on Twitter at Metal Nerdery. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Metal Nerdery Podcast. And search for them out in the Googles at metalnerdery.com slash podcast. This is Obvious Osborne. That guy's British. Isn't it obvious? Hey, it's Sabbath Sunday. That's right, it is Sabbath Sunday. As a matter of fact, it is. Welcome all to Sabbath Sunday, and welcome That's why back we're here. to the nerdery of metal, the metal nerdery. Okay, now you go. <laughs> 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 well, one time I fucked up, stole your line, and I felt like a dick. I'm like, all right, and that's like, it's like no. his minute to shine. We are and here. Stole it. We are here today to celebrate a milestone. The milestone in metal history, which occurred originally on Friday, February 13th, 1970, with thunder and church bells and general evilness. All that was added in without the band even knowing about it. Did you know that? <laughs> Don't deny the power of Satan. Roger Bain and the engineer put that in. Yeah. The band, like, yeah, they recorded it and they took off and then. They sat there and did their twiddly niddly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded properly British. Those guys were fucking brilliant with their twiddly niddlies, weren't they? But, uh. We're talking about the first Black Sabbath album, by the way, by Black Sabbath. Not to be and confused it's a, with. It's uh, a perfect uh, Georgia winter morning here. Yeah, it's rainy. Outside of Atlanta, overcast. Screams for Black Sabbath to be played at maximum, maximum volume. Hey, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to the Sabbath. Cheers to the Sabbath. It's not even lunch yet, and we're going to clink yeah. and clink. That's right. That's right. Bill, at the next frosting break, Bill can bring us all fireball. Anyway. Fireball. So, yeah. Anyway, fireballs. Black Sabbath. 
the game changer. That is the game changer. That's probably the most important album, metal album in history. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah. I guess why once we get further down here and where it's ranked on some other people's list kind of surprises me. Hmm. I'm like, what? (laughs) Because it was like the album. Yeah. Hashtag enjoy the tease. Which I I have to admit, I mean, I I wore it out when I was younger, but I haven't really listened to it a lot in recent years. Really? Yeah, I just... There's so much crap to listen it, to. Uh, I get still, I get sidetracked, which is I can understand be- that. Which yeah. is the beauty of this whole show is going back and re-listening to things yes. and yeah. with with older, wiser ears. The rediscovery. It's on the right. Re- it's on the regular for me. Yeah, yeah almost I'm, almost weekly. It, I, I can't <laughs> get tired I mean? of it. I do not get tired of it. I'm always hearing something from that album. But I've always just this past few days. I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it. It's, it's just like that. It's okay. one of those two where, despite how old it is, there's something brilliant. Like every time you listen to it. Oh yeah. Like it's this awesome. this recent round of me listening to it more, I've been uh, appreciating Geezer a lot. Not that I didn't before, but just really listening to how the bass fits in the mix, like his part or his the, the structure. Which I I think in a general sense, I was thinking about this on the way over here. Geezer kind of gives the whole thing that that warm feeling. Does he's kind of the glue, yeah, because it kind of he's sort of the glue that keeps the drums and the guitar together, but it does kind of give it that. Well, because back in the depth. in the seventies, the guitar—I mean, it was more of a the guitar was more of your treble instrument, and the bass was the bass. Not like today, where the guitar's got so much bottom into it. So you've got the guitar on that high end, and you got the drums, and Ozzy's voice is kind of up there. Yeah. So it's like Geezer is kind of like. The anchor. It, the I was mix. just thinking the anchor. It's just, it's just, it's a beautiful thing, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Especially when he gets there's certain parts where he's got a little bit of drive on it, you know. Yeah, it gives that little bit of fuzz. Well, you know, in the way he played, he he wasn't your traditional. I mean, I, I don't want to no. take away from Ian Hill, but I mean, you know, Geezer Butler was not your traditional bass player. He was he, all over the place. He, yeah, he was it's almost like the Neil Peart of, of bass players. Yeah, there's one thing I read. He was like. He thinks one thing that helped Sabbath kind of define their sound was he was a guitar player. So he's like, bass players are supposed to be, and in his mind, he was like, bass players are supposed to be playing all these melodic lines, which I kind of think he was to a point. But he's like, a lot of the time I was just doubling Tony. So it kind of gave it a more cohesive, thicker sound. It gave which, the balls, but like when he would do his different stuff, it, it oh, filled yeah. it out. Right, exactly. Which in, then in turn, thinking about all that, got me thinking about typo negative. Yeah. Peter Steele's bass Same sound. Vibe. It's just the Peter Stills bass sound is the anchor of that whole thing. It fills the fills the bottom. Fills the void. The void. Yeah. <laughs> Fully fills the bottom. The bottom. No, this is Nigel Nigelson. We're talking about filling the bottom. Oh, Nigel, did you get past Archie? What I mean? Uh, he's he's Celtic frosting at the moment, so oh, okay. snuck in. I'm going to go back right. and have pasta with Millie. His uh, voice is still recovering, but pasta. Bloody good, bloody jolly good, Millie. Thank you, sir. Bloody jolly, huh? Well, that's a Gross. that's the BJ rating for the pasta. Anyway, <laughs> can you imagine? I don't know if y'all know the story, but the gatefold. We'll probably get to this later, but even the gate. I mean, the release date for the first Black Sabbath album was Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, the, awesome. the head of the record label basically said, "Yeah, I did that on purpose." Uh, sweet. He was and like, the, he was like it. Well, you know why not I mean they yeah. kind of had that aura to him so yeah he did that on yeah. purpose <laughs> I mean that that's 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 like the pre-badass level of like re- releasing two albums on 9-11 I mean one on the original 9-11 and one on 
later anniversary. But yeah, just Friday the 13th, and then there was like an upside-down cross on the gatefold inside the album, which blew people away. I mean, think, this is 1970. This was flower power and hippies and acid and free love and love everybody and all that. And then these guys come in with the bowls and the metal and the yeah, evil. One of the one of the reviews I found basically said this is the album that ate hippies for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I don't know. I think a good place to start with this is just the album cover. Oh, yeah. If, uh, now, you think about 1970. So that's 50 years ago. It's half a century. I still look at that album cover and it's still, even though I know it's staged, it still just has that creepy factor to it. Mm-hmm. Like that genuine fucking, holy shit, that's creepy. Kind of like that house down the street from your house. It's even creepier <laughs> in the fucking rain. I swear to God, dude. I think I was listening to Wicked World today when I passed it, and I was just like, they got a U-Haul truck out back? Are they I like saw that Transporting like, bodies? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I figured that would throw them out for a loop. Right? I, I, I only got a U-Haul. I think maybe a serial killer lives here, but I'm not going to give out the address. But anyway, it's equally as creepy as the first Black Sabbath album cover. Y'all got to admit that shit looked creepy. This is a little weird. For 1970, oh, I you're talking about the, oh, yeah. the fuck out of people. Okay, we switched. Uh, oh, yeah, the house. Yeah, the house is equally weird, but you got to admit the album cover is bizarre. See, Jace. Uh, and I love it. The guy that shot the album cover had kind of previously done some work for Bowie and Rod Stewart, and then he got mixed in with Sabbath. Oh, cool. I think he did the first four, maybe five Sabbath albums. Really? Like that. Yeah, same guy. Um... The album art or the photography? The photography. It, yeah. that, that, that's a haunting picture, though. I mean, for years, I thought that was actually Ozzy with you know green makeup on. And then when I found out it was a chick, I was kind of, there it is. Look at that. How evil would you think that is if you saw that? If I saw that today, that would be fucking evil. Well, there's a lot of bands. I mean, you look at their album artwork, and you can tell they're definitely going for that vibe even today. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know... Like anytime you see Slayer with the upside down crosses, that's a direct nod to Black Sabbath. And let's be honest, it's a direct nod to Satan. Yeah, the guy, Keith, he, uh, fucking Alexa. What the shit? <laughs> we have our own ghost. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this scared the fuck out of me. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Black Sabbath, upside down cross, don't deny the power of Satan, and then I hear voices. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> Hashtag heart failure. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Ooh, almost had a doozy there. It was crazy, eh? <laughs> well, uh, Alexa started talking. Jesus. Seriously. Hashtag don't not power Satan. Satan was about to show his power on all of us, right? He was about to join the show. Yeah. That was awesome. We're only talking about his favorite album and ours. Yeah, the uh, photographer basically said he just started listening to the album to get, like, uh, you know, the vibe. Inspired. Listening to it on old uh, quarter-inch master tape back in the old days. Do stuff like that. And let's be honest, it was probably in a room that was wall-to-wall suicide paneling and shag carpeting. (laughs) Can we at least put that out there? I'm sure. It's fitting for this episode. The, uh, The head of the record label basically told him, do whatever you want. <laughs> kind of cool, I guess, yeah. for an artiste. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, that's also appropriate for this episode. <laughs> Thought we were listening to sleep. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Sorry. 
Laughter Spike. <laughs> also influenced by Black Sabbath. I guess he found the uh, that location. A friend of his lived near there. That old house, barn, mill, whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Somebody, a friend of the show, Nick, found a picture. It was some cable show. And it was a picture of that house or that church or that building on the cover of the first Black Sabbath album. But it was... Yeah, you can find it online. But it was talking about... It was whatever the documentary was, but he saw it, or whatever the show was, but he saw it and he was like, that looks fucking familiar. I was like, yeah. And then I posted the picture of the cover and he's like, I knew it. (laughs) Now, he used a special kind of a film for aerial photographs, gave it that pinkish look. And then he kind of tweaked it, said it gave it that... Slightly dark, surrealistic, evil kind of feeling to it. He fucking nailed it. Yeah, he did. And then he even he boiled it and froze it and did all kind of weird crap to make it grainy what looking. What the shit? Uh, that's before you could uh, just click yeah. filter buttons. Right. <laughs> Hashtag ingenuity, people. Old school photography. Ingenuity, there. people. Yeah, the place is called the Maple Durham Water Mill. 15th century structure in Oxfordshire. You know that shit was haunted. You know it was. Um... Did Archie, are you familiar with that location? No, I ain't seen it. I mean, me and Nigel went on trips as kids, but I ain't fucking been that place. It was fucking haunted as fuck to me, though. Pretty much a soccer players there. <laughs> Football <laughs> maniacs. <laughs> fuck it. Miller, you got more pasta, lad? All right, let me get a beer. I'll be right there. He called a uh, London modeling agency. And I guess that's when they sent that Laura Livingstone over there. And evidently... Under the cape, she wasn't wearing anything. Oh. Hey, settle down. Hashtag evil woman. <laughs> I guess they had done some more risque-type photographs, but they figured that that didn't fit the uh, the vibe, you know, the evil. Sure. Doomy, gloomy. That's right. not evil enough. Because, come on, let's face it. Guys, chicks showing skin, they're like, evil? I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are interested, if you want to see an album cover with, like, you know, Nude chick parts on it. Go check out Demi Warrior. They got an album that's got that. Sorry, it's related to Sabbath tangentially, so we'll go back now. And it's uh, questionable whether or not there was a cat in the photograph or not. The photographer says there was. The girl says there wasn't. He says she was holding a cat. She says she wasn't. Oh, uh, interesting. Like, she was like, if I was holding a cat, I think I'd remember. I never like, heard like of that. I just said, haunted. I have a feeling that whole fucking area is haunted. <laughs> it has to be. 15th century? Somebody died there. At least one, tragically. <laughs> that makes it even more metal. Yeah, she said she had her hands the way she did. She was trying to stay warm. It was so freaking cold. Mm. But uh, <laughs> she, was, she was freezing her tits off. <laughs> well, that's just a little bit about the album cover there. Cool. He went on to do a lot more, but... Uh, that is that is a captive album cover though. It definitely gets your attention. Oh yeah, this uh, I couldn't remember the uh, the photographer's assistant is the one that uh, wrote the poem inside the cross. Oh shit! So there's a po. Okay, now I got to know what the poem is. <laughs> the Sabbath poem, or was it the lyrics to the song? Which is another thing the band had. The band. Yeah, I thought it was the lyrics. The uh, supposedly it's a poem. Huh. I don't know. I never looked into it. Yeah, going through now, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm- my, I'm, I'm intrigued with it again. But supposedly nothing about the album packaging at all. Sabbath had like no part in that. Just like the mix really? where they added the rain and the bells and the thunder and all that. Yeah. Sabbath had nothing to do with that. Wow. But the album cover, the whole package was the record label just did it. Mm. They fucking nailed it. Well, yeah. Then the, the band said, you know, that they did like it. Except I think Bill didn't like the uh, 
the upside down cross thing in there. But, mm. You know, it's because he thought he thought Jesus might be upset. But let's be honest, God listens to slayers, so you know God listens to Sabbath too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't deny the power of not Satan. Some blokes from Birmingham, right? So yeah, everybody knows Tony on guitar, geezer, bass, Bill drums, Ozzy vocals, and harmonica. This is obvious, Osborne. I also play harmonica. Isn't it obvious? Thank you for that. Thank you, obvious, for piping in. <laughs> Very appropriate. Produced by Roger Bain, who also played the Jews harp on Sleeping Village. I gotta know what is a Jews harp. That's a thing that you hear that in all the old westerns. Oh, that boing, 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 kind of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So the sound my dick makes when it gets hard. It's the sound of a boner being flicked. Like those door things, the door stops. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Somebody heard that and said, I need a musical instrument that makes that sound. (laughs) It's fucking cool. Uh, Engineered by Tom Allen and Barry Sheffield. Gentlemen associated with greatness. And uh, as aforementioned, Marcus Keefe on the graphic design and photography. Photography. Marcus Keefe. That's not his real name. Evidently, he kind of tweaked his name so he wouldn't get confused with somebody else. Like an anagram of sort. Interesting. I wonder if that was like Matt Pike as a teenager. Well, no, that would have meant that he'd be 80 years old and high on fire by now. So obviously it wasn't that. Right. <laughs> Shut up, Matt! What? You're being a distractive asshole. I know what you're talking about, but okay, I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, recorded at Regent Sound Studios, London, England, in 12 hours. Jeez, 10 16, 1969. That is ridiculous. 12. I mean, 1,200 bucks too, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was. Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, the album cost 1,200 hours to make. 1,200. They sold a million copies. Wow, that year. Which that, one that's fucking impressive. That would have been like eight grand today, close to eight grand. But that's probably why Warner Brothers knew what they were doing because if it, if it sold a million copies in 1970, they were probably looking to scare the absolute bejeebus out of everybody, and that's probably why they did, did all. You that say other bejeebus? Shit. I said bejeebus. <laughs> so I could say bejesus. I'm not afraid. <laughs> and as aforementioned, released Friday the 13th, 1970. Uh uh uh. On Vertigo. It was originally recorded for a label called Fontana Records, and then they switched it over to Vertigo. Mm. Vertigo sounds more metal. They said Vertigo was their more progressive side or whatever, which, in going back and listening to this more in the last few days, you could almost argue that this was kind of a progressive album. I would say that. In ways. Well, I think the way they had the suites orchestrated, because that was, if anybody that's familiar with familiar 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 I'm with not, progressive music it usually has like sweets and well red child america was like that there were like moments where they would change transition they had change. movements movements yes it was shit in the middle yes that's what i'm saying <laughs> but those sweets like that like the whole behind the wall of sleep and sleeping village they kind of had that progressive vibe yeah, to that's kind of what i'm saying they had yeah. different you know it'd get quiet a little bit of guitar here and a little bass basically there so I guess in a way, Sabbath was like the first or one of the first progressive bands because yes, and those guys were out before them. But I guess in a way, Sabbath was like you know definitely the first heavy metal band, but definitely the first progressive metal band. I think that's what kind of makes it so timeless is because they got there's influences from all over the place. Oh yeah, and, you know I mean there's 
that one little jazz breakdown, you know, and it's just all kind of yeah. clean guitar parts here and there, nice, pretty stuff. And then, yeah, because it all started with them because all they were working with was jazz and blues stuff. So that's all they had to go by. So the fact that they came to this, you know, and never mind the story, I'm sure we're going to get to it, of uh, how Black Sabbath became so heavy, i.e., Tony's uh, Nimble Thimbles. Nimble Thimbles. Yeah, the, the accident that led to Black Sabbath's ultimate heaviness. I'm sure we'll get to that. Aye. Uh, the producer, Roger Bain, uh, he's been involved in a lot of stuff over the years. He did the first three Black Sabbath albums. Hell. The first two Budgie albums, uh, I think Crash Course and Brain Surgery. Mm. Did the uh, first Judas Priest album, Rockarola. Which I believe Michael Ockerfeld from Opeth says is one of his favorite albums of all time. Uh, what I read, he, I guess he made some decisions that the band and fans didn't like. He cut some of their most popular songs off. Didn't didn't include them like Tyrant, Genocide, and The Ripper, which are all classic freaking Priest wow, songs. Wow, it's kind of crazy. It's like classic Priest songs of all time, and that guy's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, the song Caviar and Meths. Meths. <laughs> I guess it was like a 10-minute song, and he cut it to a two-minute two instrumental. Wow. Could have just called that caviar and cocaines. <laughs> Not even that. Fish sticks and cocaines. That's even better. Fish sticks, <laughs> Fish sticks and cocaines. The From new single. Captain D's. <laughs> Captain D's. Shut up now. I'm hungry. How do fish sticks with a side of cocaine, please? <laughs> Thank you. That'll be uh, eighty-seven fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and a diet coke. And a diet coke. And a diet coke. I mean, you don't really need it. You got the cocaine. I'm but anyway, <laughs> anyway, just in case. Uh, the engineer Tom Allen. He uh, he was involved in a lot of big stuff, seventies and eighties. Produced albums by Pat Travers. Pre, he basically produced all of the pre-eighties stuff. Really? Yeah, like all of it. Just and amazing then, who you know because. And then he did their most recent, Firepower. I think maybe Angel of Retribution I read. Really? But like all of the classic 80s stuff, the whole 80s era, he, he was the producer. That's so cool how all that stuff is all connected. Yes. To me, this, the nerd uh, in me loves it. All right. He did uh, some Def Leppard, Kicks. Kicks, who Brad Devins from Rat Child America was a part of at one point. Thank you very much. This message brought nice. to you by Metal Nerdery. <laughs> <laughs> all rights reserved, 2020. <laughs> Brought to you by Scream from the Balls Productions. Thank you. <laughs> he did the old uh, Whitford St. Holmes. That sounds like... Am I tweaking your metal nerdery brain? <laughs> I know we're going to go with Aerosmith and Ted Nugent, but that just sounds like something exactly. you'd see at a bar at like 1 o'clock in the morning when everybody's shit-faced. <laughs> it, it's just like you're thinking, all right, does somebody have extra drugs because this is getting depressing <laughs> really quick. That seems like the band that would be on stage. <laughs> Nothing against those guys. I love those guys. I love those bands. But I'm just saying that's what it sounds like to me. Right there with you. They also did some Crocus, Y&T, Rough Cut with two T's, Love a Boy. Love a Boy. Some Jet Boy. He liked boys. And I'm not familiar with Jet Boy. And other boys? I know the name. I can't say I know either. Boys are going to rock. There you go. Hashtag Benny Vincentitis. Anyway. And some others. Had to bring it back. Others. <laughs> yeah. Others is the uh, the word of the day. By the way, we have to share this. Apparently, there, you know, we can see those of you out there in, as part of the Metal Nerdery Syndicate. 
all over the globe who's who's downloading us, and we appreciate each and every one of you. You are a blessing. But to those who give us our stats, they say there's people downloading us from places that apparently are not on Earth, and that makes me concerned. Maybe the aliens are listening others. to Metal Nerdery. Countries under the others list. So it's yeah, just, I don't know what others is, but Metal Nerdery salutes you, and you get 110% kudos, condiments, and commitments. So thank you. Yeah, to the whoever others. you are, we love you. We love the others. We love you all. <laughs> uh, the other engineer of the album, Barry Sheffield, I guess founded a very famous studio in London, Trident Studios, with his brother. I've heard that name quite a bit, or read it on notes, I'm yeah, sure, had, production uh, notes. Quite a diverse uh, list of people there. Uh, James Taylor, The Beatles, Bowie, Bee Gees, Zappa, Kiss, Lou Reed, Peter Gabriel, Thin Lizzy. Yes. And and to reiterate what my colleague and fellow nerd just, just said, for those of you listening, you should go Googleize and YouTubeize all of these artists and listen to their shit because ultimately these things had some impact on the metal that you enjoy today. You owe it to yourself. Absolutely. That's right. Archie's telling you to open your mind. Oi. <laughs> As uh, Secretary X said, don't just be a metal dude. It's cool. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy all of it. So yeah, we already talked about Marcus Keith. Keith, somebody pass the bow, please. And as we kind of discussed pre-show, there were uh, two track listings: the European and the American. Do you think it would have been overkill? Not the band. Do you think it would have been overkill if they released it in the U.S. with all of the songs, like both Evil Woman and Wicked World? I don't think so. I think it would have been killer. Because then you could have dicked around with the track listing more and made it. Not to say that that track listing wasn't awesome and or perfect, but that will give you more options and it will give you more songs. But we don't work in the record label business. We don't have a size They know what they're doing, right? Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> I still want to know about that fucking poem. Now I'm, I'm super intrigued with now. I was intrigued with before, but now I'm like super intrigued with. Intrigued with? Intrigued with. Seriously. Uh, on so, the uh, original North American pressing, the uh, the sleeve had the band's given names instead of their stage names. Really? Yeah. So you had Anthony Iommi, John Osborne, Terrence Butler, and William Ward. Don't know who those blokes <laughs> are, right? <laughs> who? Who the fuck? Hey, John, say something from the stage. You see John, you think, you don't think, yeah, John from Birmingham, you think, you know... <laughs> Paul, John, George, and Ringo. That's the kind of John you think. Hey, John, sing us a song. It was kind of just plain. You know, yeah, it's like you know, Ozzy's Ozzy. It's like, what if he have... I'm sure he would have been just as crazy or whatever, but just uh, thinking about calling him John. Ozzy has like, a little yeah. more panache to it. John's kind of like, eh, John. It's like, you know, it's like Slayer versus, you know, fucking Slayer. It's like the difference. It's like John, you know, eh, you know, fucking John. That's Ozzy. That's what fucking John is. <laughs> If it had said fucking John Osborne, I'd be like, okay, I'm on board with that. <laughs> fucking John. <laughs> fucking John Osborne. <laughs> fucking Anthony Ali. Yeah, okay. Fucking Terrence Butler. Fucking William Ward. That's it. Let's go back. Okay, Warner Brothers, for any future releases, you got to go back and put fucking on, on all of those. But let me just say, before we diverge into the next section... Please. Why do you think that they had the difference in track listing from the European to the American version? I don't know, but uh, I know a lot of 
A lot of albums do that. They'll have different track listings for regions. I don't I don't know why. But it's almost like especially if one was released somewhere first, it's almost like if the European version, which by the way included Evil Woman, which was a cover by the band Crow, which I think we covered on our Crows pod or Crows covers podcast. <laughs> And then the American version had Wicked World instead of Evil Woman. And I'm like, they're both badass songs. Why not just make it the fucking same for everybody? But back then, I guess the Europeans had to be different from Americans. No, they still do it. I mean, there's a lot of Japanese releases that have different stuff on them. I mean... Well, they get a lot of bon- extra bonus tracks and stuff, too, that we don't get. Why is that? But to be fair, I mean, maybe they don't get as many you know, artists coming over there. Because when they go to Japan, they probably do like two or three nights at a shot. So maybe they're trying to give them all the metal they possibly can. All the metal. All the metal, all the time. Yeah, talked about the Fontana Records. Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, when it was released in the U.S., it went to 23 on the Billboard 200 and stayed there for over a year. Holy shit. Which is crazy for 1970. People were fucking angry in 1970. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the year the DEA was formed, so I can understand. Uh, at the time, the album got pretty much negative reviews. Rolling Stone described it as just like Cream, but worse. Which is fucking crazy. That'd be Oops. like saying just like Metallica, but worse. <laughs> really? <laughs> Oops. Go fuck yourself, asshole. The Village Voice called it bullshit necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Village Voice. <laughs> bullshit. And the worst in counterculture. Oh, Christ. You know what? The Village Voice has lost all relevance to me. Unless they've done a full retraction of this, I will never appreciate the Village Voice. To be honest, if you play Black Sabbath, the album backwards, Satan will appear in your living room. (laughs) By the way, he loves cookies. Something about sugar cookies. I don't know what it is. I guess sugar is scarce in hell, but he fucking loves cookies, man. (laughs) Uh, Retrospectively, things have been more positive. All music said I had the most definitive heavy metal riffs of all time. <laughs> yeah, because Tony Iommi is the riff god. I like this one. They're slowed down, murky guitar rock bludgeons the listener in an almost hallucinatory fashion. Boom. Reveling in its own dazed, druggy state of consciousness. Boom. And also boom. And yeah, that's where I got that earlier. Rolling Stone. Uh, an album that eats hippies for breakfast. <laughs> Yummy. Along with a healthy side portion of mushrooms and acid, right? Mushrooms and acid and hippies. Mushrooms and acid, suicide well, All you had to do was eat the hippie, right? right? I mean. Well, yeah. Fuck, if you eat a hippie, that's like. Did you wash it first, though? It's <laughs> <laughs> like eating, what, three sheets of acid at least? <laughs> Something like that. Man, I hope you're not doing Wash the hippie before like you eat it? Or decade. No, you can wash it on the outside, but just know that the druggy goodness is good on the inside. Druggy goodness. Druggy goodness. And this is where I think some of their placement on these lists is a little funny. Yeah, Kerrang! ranked Sabbath number 31 on their 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. 31? That should have been maybe like... At least in the top 10. Yeah, At least top 10. I would say probably... I'm going to have to say at least top 3. Granted... Nothing against the Sabbath, but but there's others that you know could be in the top one, two, yeah, or three. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of brilliant albums. But Rain of Blood, Master of Puppets. Black Sabbath, uh, arguably the creator of the whole thing, yeah. and I would say should be higher than number 31. Yeah, sure. I, I, top 10 at least. I think top five. Huh, fuck it, top three. <laughs> Whoever Colin Larkin is ranked at number 12 in the top 50 heavy metal albums. 
It's probably Shannon's cousin. <laughs> I think Shannon said he's a dick. Rolling Stones 2005 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, ranked at number 238. Uh, oh. Bullshit. Burn. I mean, yeah. you got to take into, you know, that income, I guess, all music forever, but still. Yeah, but what's middle, number one? Like, middle of the, an influential hit. album like that, massively influential in the middle of a pack? Yeah. Mm. yeah it, well, and to be fair, influential over an entire fucking genre of music. So, you know, what What do you have, Rolling Stone? Like, uh, Rick Astley's Greatest Hits is number one. <laughs> Rolling Stone. We appreciate uh, your feedback. I guess they ranked at number 44 in the 100 Best Debut Albums. So the opening track would define the sound of a thousand bands. Bingo. See, I think that's higher. that deserves higher than a 44 rating. That deserves at least a, I'm going to say an 11. Just because it's Sabbath and just because it needs to be loud, just because it needs to be at fucking 11. And this list, I guess, is a little bit more proper. Number five on their 100 greatest metal albums of all time. So at least it's top five. Okay. We'll, we'll give them some kudos and top commitments five for that. Metal. But to be fair, they do not get the condiments. They get the kudos and commitments. <laughs> no condiments. condiments. Condiments, Jerry. Condiments if you get number one, but otherwise you get kudos and commitments. So thank you for that. And that was Rolling Stone. So that particular yeah. list, wow, yeah. okay. Rolling Stone Redemption. Um, I found that poem. Poem? I'm not going to read it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> not. <laughs> well, first of all, let's clarify. Just, so, sexy? just so the general listening public knows, that it, it is findable. Yes. Okay. Is it sexy or no? Is it sexy? Well, I gotta ask because I might have to get frost here in a minute. So I'm just trying it's to. It's dark. Find it's dark. Foreboding. Still falls the rain. The veils of darkness shroud the blackened trees. Is that the whole poem? No, no, there's a whole bunch of. Uh, That's an excerpt. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, what did you Google? It's just Black Sabbath poem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Black Sabbath. Hashtag vagueness from our producer. Black Sabbath album cover poem, and you will find it. Hashtag frosting. I'll be back. Absolutely. It's 8.30 in the morning, and I'm already shit-faced. Hold on. No, I'm kidding. It's more like lunchtime. <laughs> it's 8.30 somewhere. All right. <laughs> Start the clock. 8.30 California. Pulled up this little, uh, shut up. <laughs> You're not here. You don't get to talk. Found this interesting little list on Revolver. I guess uh, it came out right there on their 50th anniversary, Black Sabbath's 50 Fascinating Facts About Metal's First Album. Yeah, cool. Let's check it out. That might be interesting to uh, discuss. For anybody that uh, has followed us at all, listen to our Sabbath episode. They were originally called the Polka Talk Blues Band. Yes. After a talcum powder. How freaking rock and roll was that? It's not. Exactly. It's a good thing they changed it. I think that was episode four. <laughs> the uh, The original band had six members, which I didn't realize. No, I didn't had realize. Had a bottleneck slide guitar player and a saxophone. Yes. Need to hear that. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Then they, you know, as we know, they changed their name to Earth. Bill Ward came up with that. Yeah. I guess, as most bands back in the day, they were mostly a cover band. And some blues. And like, yeah, you're right. First original song, Wicked World. Eh? Yeah. When he came back from yeah. his uh, his time with Jethro Tull. 
I got this list of uh, 50 facts of uh, the first Sabbath album. Excellent. I didn't realize. I knew the uh, the whole polka talk blues thing, but I didn't yeah. realize that it was a talcum powder. It's a weird name for talcum powder. Polka talk <laughs> blues band? Well, I think it was probably <laughs> just polka talk. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, fucking hey, what kind, what kind of powder is that, mom? It's blues band powder. Go get some at the store. And I also did not know this. They were originally a six piece. They had a bottleneck slide player and a saxophone. I feel like I knew that, and I feel like when I first read that, it was like I was rereading some old Doctor Seuss shit or something. Like it just seemed so weird to me. I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't put it together. Uh, we'll discuss. It's my turn to frost. Too Uh-oh. much coffee this morning. Bill's the only one around here that, you know. And now? <laughs> that has a man bladder? <laughs> and now for your moment of frosting. We have the bladders of 12-year-old girls. <clears throat> See, now I feel like I feel like we should insert some Celtic frost here. I could do that. Or uh, you could read this poem if you want. Oh, yeah. Here. Put it up on the board and I'll read it. On the board. On the monitor. The board. We're fancier than that. And so we have the the poem that is on the inside gatefold of the original Black Sabbath album. And this, you said, Bill, this is inside the upside down inverted cross. That's what they say. All right. So evil's amongst us. Insert the rain and the thunder and the bells. Still falls the rain. The veils of darkness shroud the blackened trees, which contorted by some unseen violence shed their tired leaves and bend their bows towards a grey earth of severed bird wings. Among the grasses, poppies bleed before a gesticulating death and young rabbits born dead in traps stand motionless as though guarding the silence that surrounds and threatens to engulf all those that would listen. Mute birds, tired of repeating yesterday's terrors, Huddled together in the recesses of dark corners, head turned from the dead black swan that floats upturned in a small pool in the hollow. There emerges from this pool a faint sensual mist that traces its way upwards to caress the chipped feet of the headless martyr statue, whose only achievement was to die too soon and who couldn't wait to lose. The cataract of darkness formed fully. The long black night begins, yet still by the lake a young girl waits. Unseeing, she believes herself unseen. She smiles faintly at the distant tolling bell and the still falling rain. Alright. That's fucking metal as fuck. <laughs> Archie, thanks. Hey, alright, bloke, anytime. Oi, Birmingham forever. All right. Thank you, Archie, for uh, for reading that. Whew. I thought I was hanging out with Adam Sandler there for a minute. No, we were, uh, during your frosting, we were reading the, the poem that was on the inside of the inverted cross. I got to tell you, for me, kind of visual. I kind of dug it. Yeah. To me, it kind of reminded me almost of, like, for those of you who are familiar with the King Diamond, which, hashtag, there will be some uh, foreshadowing. There'll be some King Diamond in the future. Trust us. But kind of along those lines, like that whole poem kind of paints that vibe for the album. And it's like you take that poem with the album cover, plus the fucking album and the music and just the vibe of it. It's just like, nailed it. There it is. 
Nailed it. So anyway, that that was the poem. The Black Excellent. Sabbath poem. Excellent. Oh, wow. Art's second original song was Black Sabbath? Yeah. The first one was uh, Wicked World. So Bill's right. That's a kick-ass first song. Bill and his man bladder were right. His man bladder. <laughs> his man bladder or his man tights. Yep. Evidently, Black Sabbath was written in a couple hours, according to Geezer Butler. As Tony just started playing the riff and it kind of just happened. Yeah. I read that he was... That they were just messing around, and they both played the same chord at the same time. Uh, and they were like, when that happens. Holy shit. <laughs> this message brought to you by was. Satan. Right. Don't deny the power of Satan. You call that synchronicity? I don't know. Shall, shall we put that on, or we're getting to the tracks portion yet? Because we'll run through this real quick. Okay. Because we'll it is Dive evil. into some tracks. Yes. Uh, I guess most of us know a song based uh, on the Devil's Tritone. A.K.A. the Diabolus in Musica. I thought that was Slayer, man. <laughs> well, that was their, that was one of their albums. But, you know, back... Hello, this is Sam Elliott. I wanted to give y'all kind of a look back on my generation. Back in the day when you play the Devil's Tritone, uh, they'd hang you because they thought you were the devil. Anyway. Thank you for to, that insight. I'm going back <laughs> to the couch. I just wanted to let y'all know. Yeah, Sam, I think it was actually a little further back than your generation. But kind of reminds me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. She's a witch. What do you do? <laughs> Burner! Burner! <laughs> exactly. No, they used to fucking kill people back in the in the Dark Ages when they were worried that Satan was in music, which he is. He's in everything, let's be honest. Yeah, that main riff was inspired by the uh, Mars, the Bringer of War. Uh, orchestra yeah. type deal, which yeah. is a pretty cool song if you listen to it. Yeah, yeah there's a lot it's of very, minor It's very stuff. ominous. It's very, you might even say it's slayerific. It has much ominousity. Ominousity. Brutality. Ominous ominousity. Synchronous synchronicity. Here's, we get to your Fimbly Thimbles or whatever the hell you said. Fimbly Thimbles. Yeah, that's it. I think yeah. Millie used to clean those out for him. One too. <laughs> we talked about that in the prior episode. It was gross then. It's gross now. To. I think he wanted to. I don't think Tony let him on the bus. Yeah, so for those that don't know, you know he shaved tips of his middle fingers off. Yeah, shaved is being nice. Um, he, <laughs> he sliced them off in an industrial accident. Like a guillotine. Or a guillotine, sorry. You don't Come say on, the L's man. and guillotine. It's not guillotine. Like La Villa Strangiata. Yeah, it's guillotine. Set <laughs> with the French guillotine. But yeah, chopped off his middle two fingers. You like them gyro sandwiches too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love gyros, man. <laughs> Delicious. And they spin around and do crazy shit too. I think when I when we were doing research for that that episode, I think he was like he was gonna call out of work that day, and his mom was like, "Don't be a wanker." You know, yeah. go to work. Yeah, it's your last day. Go to work. You get back know? to work and finish. And then your that's shift. when that happened. <laughs> of course, you know? right? Yeah. So, Ron, Thanks, mom. Fuck you, mom. You just ruined <laughs> me life. But he got inspiration. A buddy of his came to see him in the hospital, and there's a jazz guitar player in the early part of the 20th century named Django Reinhardt, and he had some kind of condition where he had two of his fingers were paralyzed, so he had to use just two fingers to play. And Tony was like, you know, well, I suppose if he can do that. I'll take a go with that. I don't know if that's how he actually said it, but that was the yeah. sentiment. That and plenty of cocaine. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A four by twelve's worth. Uh, the song's figure in black, inspired by an actual shadowy figure that 
bassist Geezer Butler said that he saw. I guess uh, I read some more about this. I, I, he was like really into the occult at that point. And he had an apartment. He said he painted the whole thing black and he had inverted crosses all over the place. And Ozzy gave him this book from the 15th or 16th century or something, some kind of evil book. Holy shit, an evil book. And uh, <laughs> he said he... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't deny the power of Satan. <laughs> so he like he put the book in his cupboard or whatever, goes to bed, and then he like had some kind of a nightmare and woke up, and that's when he saw the figure in black, like in his his room there. Mm. And then he said it scared the shit out of him. He basically threw the book away and was like, I'm not I'm out of all that. Wow. Wow. I'm done. <laughs> you know it's insane. I actually had a nightmare kind of similar to that, although I didn't have an evil book. But I did dream there was a black figure at the foot of my bed pointing at me and my room was on fire. I was a kid. This is before I even heard Black Sabbath. So I wonder if that was like some weird cosmic backwagon foreshadowing or something. I don't I don't know what back it was. Wagon. But it seemed kind of backwagon to me, but yeah. it was whatever you do in the backwagon stays. In the backwagon. <laughs> back anyway, that was I had a similar dream experience to Geezer, so it's like I'm connected to him. Anyway. So Geezer basically came up I guess they thought Earth was boring. So uh, <laughs> we're all here. It sure is. <laughs> no. There was another, there was another band called Earth. Wasn't was there? Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. One thing, I, maybe that was part of it too. Uh, I guess Geezer came up with the Black Sabbath name from the Boris Karloff movie. Karloff, Karloff, Karloff. Right there, you go. I think he did some narration on the uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the old animated movie. I think he did the one. Mr. Grinch, the whole lyrics for that. I think mm. that was Boris Karloff. I like this one here. Uh, I guess the first time they played uh, played that song live uh, was what Ozzy says. Everybody freaked out and ran away. And he says, isn't the whole point of being in a band to get a shag? <laughs> Not make the chicks run away? <laughs> get a shag. That's right. Get the shag on. This is obvious Osborne. Shag means fuck. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> Thank you, obvious. Us Americans aren't too familiar with the old lingo, so we appreciate your contributions. So I guess they went on a writing tear after they did Black Sabbath. They were inspired. So they came up with NIB, which I guess a lot of people thought stood for Nativity in Black. Which sounds metal as fuck. It's uh, it's a uh, reference to Bill Ward's goatee. Yeah. Which resembled the nib of a pen, hence his nickname, Nibby. Nibby. (laughs) The knights who say nib. <laughs> okay, shut up, Matt. You're being stupid. Sleeping Village was originally titled Devil's Island. Megadeth. Devil's Island. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. There's a, uh, on that reissue of the first Black Sabbath album, there's a outtake of the wizard. And I think it's Roger Bain or the engineer, like, introducing it. He's like, it's Devil's Island or something like that. Like, take one. And Ozzy's like, this isn't Devil's Island, it's the wizard. <laughs> anyway, fun little factoid there. It is wizard, yes, take one. I guess Behind the Wall of Sleep, inspired by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's story of the same name, says Butler fell asleep while reading the story and dreamt all the lyrics in the main riff. Oh, wow. That is a very visual song. Kind of like Steve Harrison, Remember the Beast, I guess. Mm. What is it with bass players? <laughs> bass players and Satan, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a connection. Maybe. I like this one. The Wizard was inspired by Gandalf. That's awesome. (laughs) I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I guess I need to read the books. I heard the books are 
excellent. I read something different about that. Uh-oh. Uh, it says here it was also rumored to be about the band's drug dealer at the time. <laughs> it was originally called Sign of the Sorcerer. The Wizard was good. I think Sign of the Sorcerer for them would have been too much. That would have been like, people would have been like, what, man? Words. That's like a Dio song, Sign of the Sorcerer. Yeah, apparently, apparently Tony said in one of his books that it was the Ozzy and Geezer were wandering around stoned and saw some guy leaping around being silly outside of a club and that they looked like that the guy looked like an elf. And <laughs> so the wizard was born. Excellent. Is what he said. That works too. Yeah. It's still a pretty cool fucking name for a drug dealer though. For <laughs> <laughs> <Wizard, laughs> being, being honest. <laughs> hey man. Dude, you better call here, the wizard. Here comes the wizard. <laughs> There's chicks here and we need code. Call the wizard man. You didn't bring a four by twelve's worth. Oh, you calling the wizard? That's all you got to say. That's all you got to say, bitch. <laughs> yeah, all you had to say was volume four, bro. It's all right. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know how much you need. I got you. As previously discussed, recorded in uh, just one day, a little over twelve hours. Proof that great things happen quickly. They basically recorded it live. I think they only uh, overdubbed some of the guitars and some of the vocals. That was basically it. Yeah. It's got the feel. It's definitely got the feel. That Uniqu kind of just like you're in the room with them kind of vibe. Evidently, the warning was originally like a 30-minute song. Jesus, really? (laughs) Hashtag show off. Well, I think, I wonder if it was all, because I think there were multiple versions of the warning. I don't know if I... Overshadowed too quick. If there was a mention of that, but and on that re-release, I think there's actually like two versions of the solo. Because you know, there's that extended whole solo thing that kind of goes off, and there's like a another version of it with like a different solo. And I, I think they took pieces of both and kind of like super soloed into one for the actual album release. But mm-hmm. I think there's two different super versions. Solo. Like super solo. Super. Super solo. <laughs> Jesus. Super solo. Sloppy. Seriously. Sean Connery. (laughs) Plural, not singular. It's very moist. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, a moment of tension. Your mouth is very moist. It is. You should see it after I gargle with Astroglide. Yummy. Uh, Hashtag. That's what I do. <laughs> Thank you for that, Napoleon. Chill. Thank you. <laughs> As hell. This, to me, probably wouldn't make any difference to most people, but how weird would it have been to see Iomi playing a Fender Strat? No. <laughs> no, it just, no. I know, it doesn't, doesn't really work. It'd be like me. seeing Kerry King play a PRS. It would just, <laughs> you know, it's a great instrument, and it's awesome, but it fucking doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Could you see James Hetfield playing a Fender Strat? Yeah, it just—it'd be like, no, man. That's like him going. It's like Kerry King going into the gym and doing like five-pound trap exercises. That's, that's nothing. He can do like a half a ton, easy <laughs> with those traps. So yeah, with a with a Stratocaster, no, I, I can't yeah. accept it. Evidently, that was his main guitar. He just had the SG as a backup, and uh, he had a pickup that wasn't working. So that's why he picked up the SG. And it's way more metal looking too. Kind of became the mm-hmm. instrument of legend, which is crazy because it was almost the Les Paul. Yeah, because the SG was like to be the bigger seller than the Les Paul, but the Les Paul kind of won out. But I think Les Paul's original design was more SG ish. SG ish. SG ish. It's not really a word, but 
Anyway, I like the sound of SGs, but when I, I don't know, they don't. They're not even to me. But for Tony, they fucking work. Yeah, I mean, for Tony, for Angus, for for countless people, I mean, they they make them sound awesome. Like Scott used to play an SG, sounded Tim, you know. Yeah. yeah. They sound awesome, you know, but it's just when I play one, it just something about it just doesn't feel right for it's me. It's something about the balance. I, we, we've talked about that before because yeah. it feels weird for me, too. Like when I used to play with Tim's. <coughs> SG. Um. SG. <laughs> That is PP. Is SG Super Glider? Super <laughs> He makes it sound good though. Absolutely, dude. Down by the base, it's scalloped. <laughs> <laughs> it's my new album, Scalloped by the Balls. <laughs> this is G Octave. <laughs> is it a seafood dish? What the fuck are we talking about? Oh yeah, Black Sabbath. Let's get back to back to task, please. Thank you. Kind of goes back to what we talked about before with them, including a cover, I guess. Uh, their manager and publishing company basically wanted to do Evil Woman because they thought it'd be a hit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I what can we see said. That. You know, it, was, yeah. it was a known song, I guess. But if you listen to that in the context of the album, it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. Don't you think? Yeah. Like, it just sounds like it's completely left field. Like, what the fuck is this doing here? Yeah. So we've already talked about some of that stuff. Yeah, evidently, they got done recording the album in time to hit the pub before last call. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a that's a hell of a celebratory drink mm-hmm. right there. That was awesome. That's probably the and then the next day, ever. what I read was they evidently, like the day after that, they were in Switzerland playing yeah. a gig. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that nuts? It's like, you can't do that today. It's like, today, it's like, oh, we spent a year and a half in the studio. It's like, if you know the tunes... Of course, at this point, they've been gigging quite a bit, so they were very, very familiar. Yeah, a lot of this we have already discussed. Friday the 13th. It's funny, I always think of Valentine's Day, which was recently, as the day after the anniversary of the release of Black Sabbath. I don't even really recognize Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh, you mean the day after Black Sabbath was released? Uh, yeah, okay. Ozzy stated that uh, being trashed by Rolling Stone... Rolling Stone was uh, was cool because they were the establishment man. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Oh, so, yeah. He says uh, those music magazines were all staffed by college kids who thought they were clever, which, to be fair, they probably were. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that little factoid. The disc and music echo derided the album as little more than a marketing ploy. Quote, black magic music for the sick masses. And like we said in a previous episode, uh, darkness and cynicism and negativity create beautiful art. Thank you. I kind of find this one hard to believe. Uh, Ozzy says he didn't realize uh, Sabbath's influence, I guess, until 1986. The Metallica was supporting him on that tour. They said every time he passed their dressing room, they were playing old Sabbath stuff. And and then that's like when he dawned that Black Sabbath was influential. I mean, I don't know. That seems shit. Well, I mean, if you're in it, maybe it is different. That's the sign of an artist, though, I think. They do what they love because they love it. Doing what you do. And then realize later that, like, holy shit, I've touched people with my art. (laughs) To be clear, it's not another name for my penis. Art is art. Call that thing art, (laughs) Nate. It's got multiple colors, so kind of. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've got designs shaved in there. It's it's fine. Tattoo, actually. And finally on this list, I guess they originally did not appreciate being called heavy metal. You know what? They should, because they are the founders. Uh, Bill Ward says only in like the last ten years or so he's decided he's uh you know holy got fuck. the word he kind of like. 
Yeah. I, I guess I can see that because it's kind of a generational thing because we see it because it is fucking metal. It's aggressive. It's dark. It's musical as shit. Now we've established it's progressive. But I guess since their influences were all blues and jazz players, it's kind of like they probably thought metal. What the fuck is it? You know, it'd be like if you were a metal band and somebody started calling you some kind of like, you know, the Godfathers of Core, and you're like, holy shit, I had no idea we were part of the whole core movement. There's a core named after us? Well, it's like Lemmy. He's like, we're just a rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Motorhead, we play rock and roll. Yeah, far from <laughs> it. <laughs> On 11. Absolutely. That's right. Shall we, uh, shall we listen to some of the tracks, boys? Do we have some If we have stuff? to. If we have to. I think we have to. I don't think we can do a dive without tracks. It's a good thing the Alexa's not going off now. Yeah. Yeah, if Alexa answers when I say Satan, that's a problem. <laughs> I can fix that. <laughs> Actually, I should. <laughs> that would be fun. Satan. Just don't tell your wife. Oops. I scare my daughter. <laughs> something that Tony was saying when they first one of the first times that they played it um, just like the hair on his neck really stood up and he was like uh, I think we're on to something here <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's evil as shit I mean that 
because if you've ever, I mean, as a guitar player, I mean, we've played that that shape, and it's it's always just so just dank and just skanky and evil sounding, and it's just like holy shit, they basically took, you know, one, you know, the devil's tritone and basically made a whole career out of it beautifully. I mean, Slayer did like the Pantera to Metallica version of that with Sabbath, and they took the evil to a whole nother level. And it's like, that's just fucking awesome. I think the, uh, like the production of that time, too, kind of added a little bit to the, uh, mysticism. That and the, the evil, evilosity of it. Yeah, the evilosity. Because, I mean, if you'd have done that with a real slick modern production it wouldn't have been the same no you know it's just it had that raw type yeah well it always even like with the cover art and everything like when I listen to that it reminds me of like them recording inside of like an abandoned old church or something just it has that creepy kind of vibe like the vocals and the reverb and the bell and shit it's just like fuck and then they go into basically like early speed metal in this ish Liked how they added that little thing at the end because there was a version on that re release where they like cut out that very, very last part. That little, Da-da-da-da. really, Why yeah, how would you do that? I know, come on, I don't know, but it's weird because you listen to it, it's like you keep waiting for it. It's like, no, nah, it's not there. You just saved like 1.3 seconds of running time, yeah. Who knows in the CD world that really, really could be a big difference, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's 78 minutes and five seconds. No, you can't do it. You got to cut out that 20 minute epic track. Oh, God. And then after that, we go into the wizard harmonica solo. Harmonica solo. Blind dog Osborne. <laughs> Blues man from Birmingham. 
Morning. Think about it. If you, if you uh, sweep that just a little bit, I mean, it's basically blues. Oh, yeah, for sure. But the next part, it's heavier. Kind of upbeat, up tempo, sort of. Plus, those lines geezers playing. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just bad. <laughs> See, even to me, like the imagery okay. for that song, like the lyrical imagery and the vibe of the music, it's like it. That album to me is very visual. Like it paints a very specific picture in my brain mind. That's what acid does, man. That's <laughs> what so drugs are good for, man. I hung out with Timothy Leary before he got booted out of Harvard, man. Yeah, it's such a cool song. And the harmonica. Props to Ozzy. goodness very much goodness oh yeah magical goodness and then it goes into i think that to me this is kind of where the it's like as much as i love those two this this little suite right here is kind of where they start kind of stretching out a little bit this is them to me this is this is really black sabbath the way i think black sabbath was even though we didn't get to ever see them live because it seems like the way they play live is they even did this. Like on, on past lives, I think when they do Wicked World, they throw in like a medley of like Supernaut, Into the Void, and other stuff. But I think the suite is kind of where Sabbath really shined. Which they didn't do a lot of on the other albums, though. Nope. Well, I mean, they had like the like War Pigs and Luke's Wall, which is like the instrumental at the end. But it wasn't the same as 
like the first album. Yeah. Because the whole behind the wall of sleep and then like the, the on side two, the sleeping village suite. There's nothing like, you're right, there's nothing like that on any of the other albums. Mm-hmm. Caius did that, didn't they? Yeah. On some of their stuff. They That's why Caius that. is so fucking badass. Absolutely. They're very, um, which one was that? Sky, Welcome to Sky Valley? Brilliant. Yeah, it was kind of the same concept, like lots of sweets. Sweets. S-U-I-T-E, not S-W-E-T. They are also S-W-E-T. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I always like the vocals the way they were split. Just a little bit of fuzz on the bass on this yeah. one. Yeah. For some reason, that vocal effect is just weird. Dig it, but it's just fucking weird. Especially with headphones. Right. right. Experience. Please let's go ahead and come back to the show. Deliciousness. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, after that, you've got basically with two S's to show Geezer's amazing bass prowess. I think the way that fed into NIB was really cool, too. Yep. It's the fucking, do we have the, the basically? I think we have it coming momentarily. Hello, this is Nigel Nigerson. Sorry, my cousin broke in here earlier. Oh, she's a bit of a prick. Anyway, the uh, basically is Giza Butler's contribution to the first Black Sabbath album. Please enjoy his basitudes. Thank you. This is Nigel Nigerson. Thanks, Nigel. Appreciate that. 
Depending on which side of the pond you're on, depends on which song you hear next. Because if you're on the European side of the pond, you will hear Evil Woman, which is a crow cover. And if you're on the American side of the pond, you will hear Wicked World. Ainsley Dunbar. I know where I'm at. <laughs> I love this song, man. Oh, yeah. Flouncy, not Matt Flouncy.
see what we can do. Oh my god, I just had a realization. Oh my god. OMG. Because there were moments in stage where Philip H. and Soma actually said the same thing Ozzy said. What do you want to eat? But he never said, Alright, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> it's all Ozzy. This is all Tony. All the time. Thimble Radio 102.7. Thimbles. Absolutely. I gotta say though, the, the past lives version of this, where they slow it down and they do all like crazy heavy on the like the verse part yeah. of Wicked World. Holy shit, that's just you, you should really you should own the first really the first six Sabbath albums for sure and past lives. You definitely have to have that because the live version of Wicked World is fucking amazing. And then we ended off with a bit of finger. In Sleeping Village and warning and all of that. That's the Jews harp. Is that where we end it all? Jews harp. There's your boing boing. <laughs> Hashtag boner noise. <laughs> boner radio. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to watch the old westerns again. Like Clint, East, Clint East was going to be all steely-eyed, and I'm going to hear, boy, oh, 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 oh. W-B-N-R. <laughs> Feel the tease. I don't know what Ozzy was talking about. At ease, not A-T's. You're listening to WBNR. Boner Radio. This is Sleep.
always like the split guitar solo. Yeah, like I like the, the dueling leads. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Definitely kind of something original with Savage. Oh, anybody else is really doing that. Playing the tambourine. <laughs> he's saying loud out in the background, but you can't hear him because it's not mic. It's all the channels have been used. Sabbath did this. Oh no, there's something new today. Ainsley Dunbar did it. First. 67. 67. Of course, it wasn't the giant thing afterwards or in the middle. All, no. all of this goodness. No, the, the goodness in the middle is the Tony Iommi guitar solo awesomeness. Like I said before, I think there's two versions of the, the solos that were put in there floating around, and I think they might have just said, fuck it, let's go Prego, put it all in there. Both. Both. Prego. Prego. Anyway, that was Rat our... America. <laughs> hashtag Ratchet America. It was our album dive for the very first Black Sabbath album. Yes, so we hope you enjoyed it. Enjoyable. We enjoyed it just because we love Sabbath, and we hope if you do not own this album, you owe it to yourself, and really you owe it to us to go buy it immediately. Such a good one. Classic. 50 years old, man. I can't believe it. Half a century. It's crazy. I was minus five. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I don't even be thinking I was like a, a dirty thought in my dad's head yet. <laughs> I was still like a year off. Probably like Labor Day, 71. <laughs> Master Reality came out. We were smoking blunts out by the lake. I don't know what's up, but... Anyway, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about either. So <laughs> what? Fair. Sorry. Anyway, that was our first... <laughs> <laughs> that was our first Black Sabbath album dive of the first Black Sabbath, and I'm sure there will be multitudes of other Black Sabbath album dives. Yes. At a minimum, the next five. So there's that. There is that. But we thank you for listening. Like we said, if you don't own this already, go download it, go buy it. Support the founders of metal and the riff god, Tony Homie. The Black Sabbath. Where it all started, people. That's right. You gotta get, go back and dig. Get you some. Remember your history. Anyway, if you have it, keep listening. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Metal Notary. Thank you for Archie for joining us. Kind of a different vibe here. Boy, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Gonna go about eight more posts, right? You know he's in the kitchen. He's been busy as fuck. He told me to tell you guys that. Anyway, I'll enjoy the Black Sabbath diving. Be around for the next one, if you don't mind. Yeah, anytime, Archie. Anytime. You're welcome, dude. Fuck, all right. All right. It was a football special. I'm going to go watch TV, bloke. <laughs> See you later. Football and a pint? Yeah, those fucking English guys are all about their football. Punters. Soccer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a different kind of football, but I'm not going to tell him. He's bigger beer, than me. Beer and crumpets? I don't know. He's bigger than me. He's like Begbie from Train Spotting. It's like, I don't want to fuck with him. It's just like... He's out there. Anyway, thank you, kids, for listening. As Ozzy says, we love you all. We love you all. Continue to spread the word about the metal notary. We'll be back next time. Later. Nerd out. and you're listening to Metal Nerdery, please follow them on the social media. Uh, they are now on Twitter at Metal Nerdery. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Metal Nerdery Podcast and search for them out in the Googles at metalnerdery.com slash podcast. This is obvious Osborne. That guy's British. Isn't it obvious? <laughs>